If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And yes, I'm your host, Todd Huff. Email, as always, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com, slash Todd Huff Show. For those that want to watch the program live or on demand, of course, now we're streaming live on our website as well. And it is a pleasure to be back with you this Monday. Monday morning, just a mere three weeks away from Election Day. So we'll talk about that today. We'll also talk about Amy Coney Barrett's um, confirmation hearings beginning today in the Senate. Along with other things out there, Trump is uh, now not contagious with COVID over COVID. In fact, there's some reports on that that we'll get into as well. Oh, just lots and lots of stuff to get to today. But I think I want to start really quickly just by clarifying um, a tad bit what we discussed on Friday, which was I was working under the assumption because I read it at OAN, One American News, and the report as of Friday morning, was that the debate, which was scheduled for this coming Thursday, had been rescheduled for October, I think it was 29th. There's another debate scheduled October uh, 22nd, unless Biden can find some way to weasel himself out of that one as well. You know, we've been talking about this for some time. You know this. We've been talking about this. For some time, and we said if there's a way to get out of the debates, Biden would happily take that. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but Trump uh, Trump and his team suggested that they take another debate that's not sponsored by the debate commission. The nonpartisan debate commission, which clearly saw a tweet over the weekend. Um, I have to think of who I think I saw. I think I know, but I want to make sure I get it right. But someone with with personal knowledge about the debate commission says, look, it's bipartisan in the sense that it's Trump or excuse me, it's Republicans and Democrats. But all the Republicans on there are going to vote for (laughs) for Biden. So I'm not sure how bipartisan this thing really is when you get down to brass tacks. And so they've decided they cancel that debate. Of course, there's lots of ways to, you know, when you think about the canceling of the debate, 
I mean, you think about all the measures that we've that we've taken: social distancing, wearing a mask, all sorts of all sorts of things. But yet, someone someone tests positive for COVID, as Trump did. Well, Trump is now tested negative for COVID. Doctors are saying Trump is no longer contagious. Trump's declared himself he, he's declared himself immune for the from the virus which only throws the left into more of a tizzy because now they say, well, you don't know if you're immune. Studies have shown this and that. Studies have shown that, in fact, I just saw one from Harvard that said three months, three to four months, I think is what it was, is how long that they believe that someone with COVID and the antibodies will actually be present in their blood, protecting them from another infection. But that's even up in the air. Trump says, look, I'm now immune. Now immune to this coronavirus, and the New York Times reports, the New York Times reports that President Trump was going to, wanted to, <laughs> you know, I wish, I kind of wish this would have happened. But, but again, it's the, the New York Times, so I, I'm not suggesting that this is actually true. Far be it for me to suggest anything the New York Times says is actually true. I'm sure they've cited some more anonymous, unnamed sources, as they usually do. But the New York Times reported that President Trump floated the idea and kind of wanted to put on – I don't know if you're listening to this or not. I was just over there doing other stuff. You, you might be entertained by this if you've not seen it already. But reports are that President Trump wanted to put a Superman T-shirt underneath – I was just rolls her, her eyes – Trump wants to put a, wanted to put a Superman T-shirt on underneath his uh, button-down shirt, and I guess as he was being released from the hospital or some such thing, bust that baby open, kind of like a for those of you that still watch the NFL, a Cam Newton's end, uh, end zone celebration, pulling pulling apart his button-down shirt to expose the Superman T-shirt underneath. I look. Do I do I think Trump has enough drama to do some of this? I <laughs> I do. But do I think that this is a true I don't I lean towards no on this to be honest with you because the New York Times could not uh, tell us the truth if its life depended on it. Anyway, these are the sorts of things that we're dealing with here. But, but back to to the debate on Friday, I was working under the assumption that it had been rescheduled because that's what One American News was reporting. Now the debate is officially canceled. Trump's campaign said, hey, Biden campaign, as you're busy hiding out in the basement there, as you're busy um, you know, holding these rallies with people standing in circles, by the way, I did see last night. I'm going to see if I can pull this audio real fast. I was scrolling through my Instagram feed really uh, just for a few moment, moments last night, and I saw I saw Biden and Kamala Harris. Excuse me, Kamala. And that's truly just a slip of the tongue. I don't mean to get that wrong. I'm sure someone will accuse me of wanting to get it wrong. But anyway, um so they're in Arizona, Biden and Kamala Harris at a at an event, and I want you to <laughs> I want you to listen to the news coverage of this. Remember Trump rallies we have here where I live. I'm aware of I think at least three Trump parades through my community, and this is a small community. 
three Trump parades through my community in the past 72 hours. I think there was one Friday, I think. Oz might know as well. 72 hours. I think there was there was one Friday, one Saturday, and one yesterday, I think. In fact, my kids stood out and watched the one last night drive by. Anyway, there's a lot of energy with the Trump campaign, with the Trump voters. Meanwhile, you ask yourself, where's the energy from the Biden campaign? I want you to listen to this. Biden and Kamala Harris... The top of the ticket, right? If you want to say the Harris-Biden campaign is present in in Arizona. Of course, Arizona is supposedly a swing state. I don't know what to believe about any of these polls. I I don't think that um, I don't think that they are going to win Arizona. But what do I know? So they're at this campaign event, and I want you to listen to the reporter. Reporter standing on the street. There's a camera shot of you know I don't know if it's where the the events being held or just where they've driven by, something like that. And if you listen to this reporter in the background, this is absolutely fantastic because she's almost shocked at what she didn't see, which what she didn't see was energy and people. Listen to this really quickly as she talks about the Biden campaign, the Harris-Biden campaign rolling past a little bit earlier, but nothing else going on. Listen to this. Pretty much all uh, the people that we saw enter into the parking lot about 45 minutes ago were with uh, the Biden-Harris campaign and the uh, pool reporters. So you would expect to see, I mean, it, it, this is a pretty big event for um, the two of them to be campaigning together for the first time since the Democratic National Convention here in Arizona. We've established, our, our state has established itself as a battleground state, and so this is so the point, the part to catch there was the only people she saw was the Biden campaign team and the pool reporters, the reporters that follow the campaign to talk about what's going on in the campaign. That's all that she saw. She's thinking, hey, where, where are the people? Where are the people for this thing? Meanwhile, here in our community, again, three Trump parades. I don't know if this is a daily event now or what. I saw people with lawn chairs in their front yards. We saw people um, you know, pulling up in golf carts, parking at the intersection of other other roads waiting for the uh, the Trump parade to go by. My kids were in the front yard of someone else's was it wasn't at our home. Our our home is not really in a place I don't think they even went by here. But anyway, the point is the point is, we're three weeks away from the election. The polling tells us Biden, national polling shows us Biden's up something like nine points. Of course, you know in your mind that that's not accurate. That's not that that just isn't going to be where this comes down. I'm not predicting Trump will win, although I certainly think he could, and I even think he could in a massive way. In fact, when these folks drive by and when you feel the energy for Trump here between the signs, the banners, the flags, the parades. Again, this is one community in a massive country where there is there are lots of pockets of hatred for the man in the Oval Office right now. People that vote for presidents based upon the quality of their jump shot, whether or not they want a college football playoff system, whether or not um, you take your pick, whether or not they 
um, say certain things in a way that makes audience members faint, whether or not the media adores them, ask them questions like, how did you get so great? I go back to the debate as well. The questions that were asked in this last debate, Vice President Pence, tell us, tell us why President Trump isn't as bad as all of us think that he is. Senator Kamala Harris, tell us why President Trump is worse than anyone could possibly imagine. That's how I feel like all those questions were last week. But anyway, you look at the sh- how this is shaping up. You look at um, you, you just you feel the energy. And, you know, you look in Arizona where Biden and Harris, excuse me, Harris and Biden, I should say, show up for an event. The reporter's shocked to say, where are the people? Where are the people? No one seems to care where Biden is. Talking about this last night with some friends, and it's not about anyone's excitement to vote for Biden. I, I think that that is universally accepted. It's it's basically who likes Trump. And who hates Trump? Now, some people are in the middle who might say that they stomach Trump. But since I don't like the idea of fences when it comes to an election, those folks are casting their ballot for Trump. Trump's the, Trump's the source of the energy. Biden is not the source of the energy. Biden is, even in the media, is irrelevant. And when the guy talks, he says stuff like, I'm not going to tell you. If I believe in court packing until after the election, that seems to be like an important thing. He acts as though we don't have the right to know that. Shouldn't even be asking that question. Instead, should be asking about why Trump is trying to cram through the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett, which we'll talk about next segment. That starts today. Amy Coney Barrett starts uh, the, well, the Senate begins their hearings for Amy Coney Barrett today and buckle up for this. You know what we're going to expect. This is war. We have now tread upon the sacred Supreme Court for the left. As I've said before, and I'll say it again to the radical, godless, atheist left, and that I'm not suggesting that everyone who's a Democrat is godless, atheist, and part of the radical left. In fact, I contend that much fewer are part of that radical wing than the radical left wants you to believe. They're just louder. They get more attention. They're the ones that are foaming at the mouth. They are the ones that listen to the likes of Keith Olbermann, who I have a quote from or a soundbite from today that I'd like to get to as well. But the godless, radical, atheist left, the Supreme Court to them is the effectively the same thing as, again, uh, your, your church pastor or your church leaders. This is a holy institution for the radical left, the unhinged, the the godless, atheist, radical left. The government is their god. I'm telling you, this is true. I've had some echo my sentiments back to me, telling me that, yes, in fact, to them, the closest thing they have to God is their government. And now we're looking at taking the sacred seat of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and handing it to someone who in many ways is the ideological opposite, one who will not legislate from the bench, one who will not try to apply their personal political philosophy, make it law through their court rulings. And they don't like this. They don't like this one bit. I don't know what all we're going to see, but I do know this. They're not going to 
simply roll over and capitulate here. It's important for Republicans to stand firm. And I, again, I don't think this would have happened a couple of years ago. Before Trump, Republicans would not have had the strength to do this. Mitch McConnell deserves praise for this, as do other Republicans who came out a few weeks ago saying that they would not oppose this process beginning. Now, not everyone is 100% on board necessarily with confirmation. That's what these hearings are. Uh, that's what these hearings are part of. It's part of the process. But it's clear that unless she does something really, you know, makes a, a really bad gaffe or does something comes up in these hearings that would prevent someone like Susan Collins, of course, she may vote no anyway, or Lisa Murkowski or Mitch, uh, excuse me, Mitt Romney. Those folks um, could still be swayed. But as it stands right now, this is her nomination to effectively lose, and the Democrats are going to throw everything they have at this. So buckle up for this. We'll talk about that next segment as that begins today. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back here in just a minute. Welcome back. As we've discussed a little bit last segment, today is day number one of the Amy Coney Barrett hearings in the Senate. Now, as you well know, but as many folks uh, you may deal with today do not know, the process here um, that's being that's playing out before us is 100%, not even 99%, not 99.9%, not literally 100% within the uh, constitutional power of the president, and now it's being handed over to the Senate, where presumably the Senate will handle its responsibility 100% as well. Now, I guess notwithstanding what these Democrats tried to do to Amy Coney Barrett, which is candidly to destroy her, to destroy her. So the process is, and this is people have deliberately misled you, those that you work with, those in your community, the media, the professional deceivers, those who wake up each and every morning telling you, telling you something that's not true. They intentionally want you to believe something that is not true. That is called a lie. They don't like to pretend that that's the case, but that is absolutely the case. They don't want you to believe that this is within the president's constitutional authority and also within the Senate's constitutional authority. The president says, I want to nominate a Supreme Court justice. I'm currently commander-in-chief. I'm the president of the United States. In fact, President Trump, win or lose, I pray it's a win, but even if President Trump loses the election here on November 3rd, Democrats can find magical hidden mail-in ballots and trunks of cars and storage closets and wherever else they decide to find these things, which is a very real possibility, just throwing that out there. This is the reason why Republicans are so uh, concerned or uncertain about this mail-in ballot sort of nonsense. We've seen all sorts of things happening already, ballots going to the wrong addresses and uh, 
all these sorts of things. So, 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 President Trump is president no matter what happens on November 3rd all the way through, what is it, noon on January 20th. He's the president. Even if he loses, and I pray he doesn't, on November 3rd, he retains all the powers of the presidency, the executive branch, until his term ends. Whenever, uh, if, if he were to lose the election, again, that's through noon on January 20th. The president can be fully the president up until that time. And within those rights, constitutional powers, exists this little thing called the nomination of Supreme Court justices. And that is what he's done. He's formally nominated Amy Coney Barrett. He has asked he's by the way, he's he's sought the advice and consent of the Senate, which is the other constitutional part of this. He's gone to the pre, the the Senate majority leader, not the president of the Senate, but that's actually the vice president, but to the Senate majority leader and he says, "Hey, I need your advice and consent on my nominee." I would like to nominate nominate Amy Coney Barrett. And Mitch McConnell says, we're happy to entertain that. Send us the nominee. So that's what's happening. This is very, very, very simple to understand. If someone doesn't understand this, they've either A, not had it explained to them, or B, they don't want to. They don't want to. Now, she can still be... Uh, the. She can still potentially not be confirmed. 53 Republican senators um, are currently what make up the is the majority, 53 to 47. So it's absolutely, absolutely her, uh, the, the Senate's prerogative at this point to do that. The election, it's irrelevant. The Democrats are trying to mislead you. They're trying to go back to Merrick Garland and, again, create a false comparison. Now, yes, Scalia, Antonin Scalia, Justice Scalia passed away tragically in 2016 in an election year. And yes, President Obama, he performed his constitutional duties by nominating Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court. He did this. He formally did this in March of 2016. The Senate Majority Leader at the time, who also was Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell said, "It is uh, the the advice of the Senate is don't send us a nominee uh, because we will not give our consent to this nominee. In fact, instead, we will allow this nominee. Excuse me, we will allow the American people to make a decision. We know now that there's a Supreme Court opening vacancy here on the High Court, so." We will allow the American people – this is the what the Senate wants to do because we candidly don't want you packing the court, taking a term from uh, Chris Coons, which we'll talk about briefly as well. But we don't want any more liberal judicial activists on the Supreme Court. We don't care if it's even a moderate. We're going to say, look, we're putting the election – we're staking the election on this if we – when, then we will have someone who is a textualist, who is a uh, someone who is literally trying to interpret the Constitution. And if Hillary Clinton wins, we understand we're probably going to get another Sonia Sotomayor or Elena Kagan or um, any other liberal that you could name on the court. That's what we're going to get. They took that risk. That's the 
prerogative of the Senate. That's what they did. The scenario is different now because the Senate is in agreement with the types of justices. This is not hard to understand. They're in agreement with the types of justices that the president, President Trump, will nominate. And so the hearings begin today and get ready for the fireworks. Get ready for the fireworks. I have more to say about this, but Oz has informed me it is time to take a break, and she would be correct. So I'm going to take a time out, come back, and continue this discussion about the Supreme Court. Sit tight. Be back here in just a minute. Welcome back, folks. So I'd forgot, <laughs> I'd forgotten this. I retweeted this. I didn't. I didn't tweet this. This is the kind of stuff that humors me. Tweet from some um, someone named Darlene, and it's <laughs> it says this. I just saw an ad from Joe Biden. He said he was going to treat us like family. I can't wait to go to China and come back a millionaire and have a job that pays me $150,000 a month. It's pretty funny stuff. Anyway, let me get back to this. Uh, to the confirmation hearings for uh, Amy Coney Barrett, which do begin today. Chris Wallace had Chris Coons and Ben Sass on yesterday. Um, and I want you to listen to a little bit of this. Make sure I haven't recued this thing too much. Here we go. Yeah, so I want you to listen to this, this uh, discussion, and just gives you a little bit of an idea on what we might want to be prepared for here as we enter the hearings today. Here you go, Chris Wallace introducing his segment and beginning his conversation with Senator, Senator Chris Coons. Democrat Senator Chris Coons, and this is how that discussion, a little bit of this discussion went. The confirmation hearings for Judge Amy Coney Barrett begin tomorrow. The president's Supreme Court nominee expected to face tough questioning from Democrats as they try to block her from filling the vacancy left by the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We're joined by two members of the Senate Judiciary Committee, which will conduct those hearings. We'll talk with Republican Senator Ben Sass in a few minutes. But first, Democratic Senator Chris Coons, who's a member of Joe Biden's inner circle. Senator Coons, your caucus just plain doesn't have the votes at this point to block Judge Barrett's nomination to the court. So what's your strategy for the hearings this week? Well, I'm going to be laying out the ways in which Judge Barrett's views, um, her views on reaching back and reconsidering and overturning long-settled precedent are not just extreme, they're disqualifying. She has taught at a well-regarded law school. She clerked for Justice Scalia. But she has views that make her not qualified to serve on the Supreme Court. President Trump has said he would only nominate someone who would overturn the Affordable Care Act, taking away health care protections for more than 100 million Americans in the middle of a pandemic. 
Uh, and both President Trump and members of the majority on this committee have said they would only vote for a nominee who would overturn Roe versus Wade. As I will lay out in my questioning this week, we shouldn't be having this hearing with two members of the committee infected with COVID. It's rushed. It constitutes court packing. And her views are too extreme to qualify her to serve on this court. Okay. Lot to unpack there. So her views are too extreme. Shouldn't be having a hearing during COVID when a couple of members are uh, infected. And... He believes that pushing Amy Coney Barrett through is, quote-unquote, packing the court. Again, this is what – look, the radical left, they – folks, they – it is – I'm going to say it, the radical left, in my estimation, is the modern-day equivalent to the religious leaders and the Pharisees back at the time of Jesus. The radical I'm – I'm not talking about every Democrat. I don't want words put in my mouth here. I know Democrats who are reasonable people. They don't agree with me ideologically. Um, I think they're wrong on a lot of things, but I don't, they're not terrible people. They're not professional deceivers. Many of these folks are, I don't, I don't know if victimized is the word, but they are at least led astray and potentially victimized by the thinking, by the rhetoric, by the professional deceit that they are being subjected to from people like Chris Coons here and people who are uh, in the media, in the media. So these folks, they want to present something as reality, but inside it is beneath the surface. It is completely, there, there's nothing there. There's nothing, there's nothing there. Beneath the surface of the lie is pure fantasy. It's made up. There's no truth. You could say that their story, their version of what they want you to believe is true, is completely dead and rotten on the inside. This is this is very much like what uh, the religious leaders back at the time of Jesus were doing uh, to the people they were supposed to be caring for and leading. Supposed to be caring for and leading people and, and instead were being very oppressive to people. Instead, they tried to create scenarios whereby they were praised and honored while the rest of the people had a heavy burden placed upon their backs and around their necks. This is not the way that one is supposed to lead. This is not the way that one is supposed to act. But yet that is what we saw back in the biblical times. And it's what we're seeing here today as well. They want to redefine what terms mean. Court packing simply means what has been discussed here the past couple of of weeks, the question Biden will not answer. The left, when they realize that they've been caught with their hand in the cookie jar, they want to say, you're the one who really wants the cookies. You're the one that's stealing the cookies, not me. And that's what they've done here. They've said, they've said that President Trump is engaging in court packing. In fact, if I played you the rest of this stupid soundbite from Chris Coons telling us how he's going to attack Amy Coney Barrett today and this week, you would hear him say that Trump simply by um, nominating justices for or judges for the, the lower courts and getting those folks pushed through was somehow packing the courts. That is absolutely 100% false. That is not what that term is used to describe. In fact, 
The term packing the court means adding seats to the U.S. Supreme Court. That's what that means. Don't try to play this game of uh, smoke and mirrors with the American people, Senator, uh, Senator Coons. That's not what you know it. We all know it. Those of us who pay attention, who listen to your deceit and misrepresentation of facts and truth and reality, that is not at all what this is about. Not at all what this is about. This is about restoring constitutional interpretations that are based in reality, not based upon foreign law, not based upon someone's latest reading of a Harry Potter novel or something that they dreamed up the night before they heard a case. This is based upon us returning to this concept, this concept that says Supreme Court justices are there to interpret and to apply the law. End of story. They're not to say, I wish it wasn't written. They're not to say, I prefer it to be another way. They're not to say, this is the way I want it to be, so ergo, therefore, this is how I'm going to rule. That's not how this is supposed to work. In fact, you're supposed to interpret the law and apply it as intended, as written, as consistent with the Constitution itself and any statute you may be applying as well. That is your job. That is what is at stake here. Do we want judicial activists on the Supreme Court or do we want those who are going to interpret the law? By the way, by the way, these folks who engage in judicial activism, they find all sorts of things in the Constitution, the right to an abortion, the right to gay marriage, fill in the blank for any other thing that they found there, but yet they have no idea. They're completely dumbfounded. They cannot find the Second Amendment. It doesn't exist in their copy of the Constitution. They have no idea what this right to keep and bear arms means. They want, to, they want us to believe it means something altogether different. They can't find it. They don't understand it, but yet they can create things out of whole cloth that they find in the Constitution. That's not the job of the justices. We need to put our noses down and put our heads down and push through Amy Coney Barrett and stand up to this ridiculous nonsense and talk about nonsense. I want to play a soundbite from Keith Olbermann in the next, uh, the next segment. Nonsense. We've got to fight this stuff back. I had someone ask me recently, what's next? What is next? Meaning, you know, we've got all this tension and turmoil. I said, what's next is we must achieve political victory. We must achieve a large enough political victory whereby we can begin the process of actually healing. But this is not going to be, there's not going to be healing in this nation until one side, the side standing on truth, candidly, actually wins this political fight. It is a cultural fight that's being waged on the political battlefield, and we must win this, and then we can talk about restoration and healing. But there's no need in talking about that when we're still engaged in the actual battle for control of these things because they will stop. The radical left will stop at nothing. Again, as I've said earlier, the the radical, godless, atheist left, to them, the government is the religion. And there's nothing more important to them than having their radical ideas accepted, forced upon the American people through things like the Supreme Court. And I better take a break. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute.
Folks, brace yourself for this lunacy alert that you're about to be subjected to. Keith Olbermann, I don't know when this was. This last, maybe it was Friday. It was last week, I believe. October 9th, so maybe Thursday. So here he is. Um, I guess that would be Friday. I, I don't even know how to describe this. You heard me talk last segment about what this battle is about. We have to politically win. This is a cultural battle, all this sort of stuff. But listen to Oz made it. I was playing this for Oz during the break. She said, this is what the totalitarian fascists sound like. Listen to this. This is unhinged, folks. Keith Olbermann, talking sense, at least he thinks. Listen to this nonsense. Trump can be and must be expunged. Expunged. The hate he has triggered, the Pandora's box he has opened, they will not be so easily destroyed. Mm. Mm. So let us brace ourselves. Let us. The task is twofold. The terrorist Trump must be defeated, terrorist. must be destroyed, must be devoured at the ballot box. Twitter. And he and his enablers and his supporters and his collaborators and the Mike Lees and the William Bars Listen. and the Sean Hannity's the and the rage. Mike Pence's and the Rudy Giuliani's and the Kyle Rittenhouse's and the Amy Coney Barrett's must be prosecuted and convicted and removed from our society <laughs> while we try to rebuild it yeah. and to rebuild the world Trump has nearly yes. destroyed mm. by turning it over to a virus. Remember it. Even as we dream of a return to reality and safety and the country for which our forefathers died, that the fight is not just to win an election, but to win it by enough to chase, at least for a moment, Trump and the maggots off the stage and then try to clean up what they left. Mm -hmm. Remember it, even though to remember it means remembering that the fight does not end November 3rd, but in many ways will only begin that day. What a, I, I have no words for this. Idiotic, stupid, deranged, unhinged. What in the world is this? People like Amy Coney Barrett need to be prosecuted for what? Convicted for what? Remo- <laughs> removed from our society. What in the world is this guy talking about? I don't know what he had to drink before that segment. I don't know. That, my friends, is literal is is literal insanity. This people act like Trump is the danger, that Trump is the one that's going after his political opponents, that Trump is the Marxist totalitarian uh, totalitarian dictator. Hello, do you listen to these words? Totally unhinged, absolutely insane. Got to take a break. Listening to conservative, not better talk. Oh, I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. Really quickly here, the waning moments of this program. Buckle up for an assault on Amy Coney Barrett's Catholic views. And let me say this. Let me be the first to say this. It absolutely matters. Let me say the first time I'm going to say this, I should say. It certainly matters. She shouldn't be legislating her Catholic beliefs from the bench. But no one's suggesting that she should. She's not suggesting that she should. 
whether you're legislating your personal beliefs, no matter what they are, and doing anything besides interpreting the law, you're not doing your job as a as a judge. She has clearly done that. That's going to be on display this week, but buckle up for this. It's going to get nasty, as these things always do. This is their religion, the radical left. I'm telling you, got to go. Thanks for listening. SDGC tomorrow. Take care.